Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series, the number one podcast for brain injury and concussion resources. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I will be chatting with Trisha DeRocher about the importance of physical therapy. This episode is brought to you by Integrated Brain Centers. Located in Denver, Colorado, Dr. Shane Studman and Perry Maynard are experts in functional neurology and treat complex concussion cases from around the country. With over 20 years of combined experience, they are leaders in helping patients who are suffering from post-concussion symptoms, including dizziness, vertigo, headaches, dysautonomia, and more. For your free consultation, please find them online at integratedbraincenters.com. Hello, I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who don't know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Goodman Project, and I am author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, available on Amazon. Additionally, I'm editor-in-chief of the Brain Health Magazine, and you can get your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftdi.com, and you can follow me on Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And I also invite you to join my private Face Amy's TBI tribe to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today's guest is Trisha DeRocher, and she joined Northeast Rehabilitation Hospital Network in New Hampshire more than 35 years ago. A physical therapist by training, Trisha also has a Master of Science in Healthcare Administration and Specialty Certification in Stroke Rehab. She has dedicated her career to the organization, its patients, and to advocating for brain injury care. This included providing patient care and staff mentorship at all four of the network's acute inpatient rehabilitation hospitals, serving as the director of program development for the brain injury program and overseeing the Joint Commission disease-specific care certification in brain injury. All four hospitals initially achieved the certification in 2013 and have achieved recertification at every review since then. Today, she is the Vice President of Business Development and Strategic Planning for the network, which also includes 20-plus outpatient clinics and a home care division. She continues to sit on the board of the Brain Injury Association of New Hampshire and is also a member of the Advisory Council for the Brain Injury Association of Maine. In her free time, Trisha enjoys and also volunteers in her hometown community and enjoys time with her family. Welcome to the podcast, Trisha. So happy to have you here today. Thank you very much, Amy. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, Trisha, I would love to just start by asking you how you came to work in this realm, working with brain injury patients. What brought you here? 
Well, it's a great question and gives you, you an opportunity to look back on your career and how you did end up spending 35 years plus in uh, doing this amazing work. <laughs> and I was really um, blessed to be able to start my career here at Northeast Rehab and start my career caring for patients with um, the diagnosis of brain injury. I was very lucky to be a student here and get a job, um, but it only let me know of how much I didn't know about uh, caring for these patients and all of the complexities of their care. And really, you know, kind of dedicated my career to not only learning myself, but then having the opportunity to share that experience and learning with um, this organization. And that was really, really quite a gift for me to have that. But then it was an opportunity to look at how can you broaden that opportunity to share that information with others. And that's where serving on the, the boards of the Brain Injury Associations in our, our local states has been an amazing and humbling opportunity to look at what we think we're doing well and what we have opportunities to do better, especially in the eyes of the patients and the caregivers. Um, mm, and in right. the acute rehab environment, it's really a great chance to have a relationship with the patients and families. Not many people get that opportunity to have patients for three, four weeks in a row, you know, Sunday through Sunday, every day, being able to, um, you know, see the progress and see the, the gains that people make over that time and really develop a relationship. And there's not that many other environments that you get that gift to do that. So um, that's sort of how I ended up here. It's, it's a it's an, it's an amazing gift to be able to have worked uh, with this uh, diagnosis and these um, patients and families over these years. And I have to imagine in 35 years you have seen drastic changes in diagnosis and treatment of brain injury. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I, I, I laugh um, to myself and to others when I think about some of the things that I did think would be beneficial to the patients. Now we have so much evidence-based practice and research after all of these years. It, it really, you know, I make myself sound ancient, but it really was sort of in its <laughs> infancy as far as treatment. Um, and now we have things, clinical practice guidelines and compilations of, you know, research. And, and so when you know that you have a limited time to make the most impact you can on somebody's recovery, you say, I'm going to do this because this is what the best practice is and, you know, the research has told me. So along that, definitely prevention has been a big um, opportunity for us mm -hmm. to see, yeah. um, you know, a change in, in the patients and their deficits and, that has been a gift as well to be able to see the advocacy for prevention and education about um, safety and you know, things that you can do to limit your impact of uh, sustaining a brain injury. So those are really two of the biggest areas, very broad, um, that have changed the way that we practice today and changed the outcomes of the people that, that sustain brain injuries. Mm. You know, I, I talk with folks all the time who had a brain injury, you know, 10, even just 15 years ago, and, like, they were in a car accident, and brain injury, concussion didn't even come up. It took them years to figure out they had a brain injury from their car accident. Um, 
And so just just having the ability to at least say, you know, there's a chance you have this from your car accident. So watch. Watch for signs and symptoms, right? Like just that alone is such a huge game changer in, in um, getting treatment for people. I agree. And I think even calling concussions brain injuries is to took a long time to get to that point. Um, mm-hmm. And <laughs> I feel like that has been a, a game changer for uh, tre- opportunities for treatment and recovery for people that sustain concussions. Um, you know, normalizing the, the, the diagnosis of that and really calling it a brain injury. And I'm sure you could definitely do several podcasts on concussion uh-huh. and recovery of concussion as well on, on just that topic because it's so broad now and so well studied. And, you know, and head injury. Um, you know, you still hear that one get thrown around out there. And I'm like, let's just call it brain injury. Um, anyway, I digress. <laughs> Trisha, let's kind of jump in today to your conversation of, you know, the importance of uh, working with a physical therapist. Um, it, I think the vast majority of people know what physical therapy is, but just in case someone listening doesn't, hasn't been exposed to it, just give us a brief overview of what is physical therapy. Sure, I'd be happy to. And again, physical therapy for the recovery of brain injury can take on so many different uh, uh, aspects of their, wherever they are in their journey of recovery. For myself, I think it could be uh, simple to look at uh, a physical therapist is um, very much focused on looking at a patient's mobility. So how can we get them to something as simple as roll and sit up in bed to walking and running and anything in between. So what we focus on is looking at their strength and ability to transfer, to get in and out of bed, to be able to, you know, stand up and walk. They're walking specifically. So looking at balance um, and early mobility, but also looking to what type of, um, device do they use? Could it be a cane or crutches or a walker and looking at what's going to support them the most to keep them safe? If that person is um, going to require a wheelchair for their mobility, either for a part of the time or all of the time, really assessing the patient for that wheelchair um, and seeing and teaching them appropriate wheelchair skills. Um, endurance is an, a very big part of um, looking at a patient's skills when you're a physical therapist, really helping to maximize their endurance. So how can we get them to be able to return to the level of activity that they were doing before and, um, and possibly beyond? And really, it, you know, it's funny sometimes it, it, you look at PT and OT divided as the body, but it really isn't. Some people might say OTs work on the arms and PTs work on the legs, but it really isn't that, um, you know, that specific. Really, we look at a lot of lower extremity strengthening as it relates to um, somebody learning how to stand and walk again and how that's affected any, any problems with that that we can fix either through strengthening or flexibility. Um, so that's all part of that as well. But there's also a, a big part of, of balance and vestibular 
training. So sometimes people that have a brain injury or other injuries have issues with their balance because of the brain injury and the area of the brain that's injured. So it may be a simple um, assessment of balance and working on uh, on patients being able to recover from that. But also there are a whole, and again, another whole podcast on vestibular disorders and disequilibrium um, for that and how that affects people's mobility and uh, safety in, in moving. Um, so really, you know, thinking about what you do on a day-to-day basis for the movement that you do with a lot of people are blessed to not have to even think about what they need to do to go from sitting to standing and walking out a door, but really kind right. of addressing those things and getting the patients, whatever their environment is, if it's their have to walk 10 feet down the hall to take an elevator up five flights of stairs, or if they have to walk up five flights of stairs, or if they have to walk over uneven ground for a long distance to get to, uh, you know, whatever it is, really looking at the patient's goals and what they need to do and and really addressing what they need to do to do it safely um, and get their mobility back. That's very basic of a, of a in a nutshell. And, you know, I know, like, for myself, I I didn't have to learn how to walk, per se. Like, I was still walking, but I wasn't walking, like, my gait wasn't correct. I was kind of shuffling. I wasn't actually taking anymore, which apparently was, like, a protective mechanism, right, because I had fallen. Um, and so I had to kind of relearn how to actually do the full gate of my walk, um, you know, so just something like that even in, in PT. Um, and I also had uh, cranial sacral therapy through PT, um, which was incredible for me in my recovery. Um, that was one of the first things that had actually really helped me um, with brain fog and, and um, like cognitive clarity. Uh, so, um, you know, what what are some of the things that you see most common um, that that you're handling in PT? So again, great, great question. And, you know, we, we definitely have um, an opportunity to look at whatever the deficits are and kind of matching it to the patient's goals. So it could be, you know, the common things that we see are um, related to more of uh, the patients, maybe where they are in their level of care. So if it was somewhere where I'm at and it's a patient that's just coming from the hospital, it could be days to a week after their brain injury, or maybe even longer, um, but not much longer that they're coming to us. So some of the common things that we're doing are really early mobility. So how are we getting the people up? How are they tolerating being out of bed? How are we working and looking at their ability to sit um, without losing their balance and then moving that from how are they doing to standing without losing their balance um, and then then progressing from there. So a lot of times we see such as you may see in, in a stroke where one side of the brain might be affected, you may see a weakness on the other side. And that's where we may be looking at improving strength in that side of the body to be able to do all of these goals that they may have mobility, you know, return to the activities that they need to do to be able to get them home. So that's a big focus here is really looking at, you know, what do we need to do to get you back into your environment safely and all of the mobility changes that you would have there, stairs, 
um, you know, getting in and out of bed, going um, around your home, getting outside of your home, getting in and out of a car, all of those things. So breaking it down to is it a balance issue and how do we address balance? And that can be through a, a multitude of different um, activities that we may do or how do we address strength, um, how do we address uh, coordination and returning um, that. But there's also at this level too, there's also recovery. So looking at our patients' recovery in regards to um, how are they doing with their medical issues, how are they doing, like you had said, with you know brain fog and focus and their cognition. So kind of overlaying all of those things with whatever we're doing at this level. If somebody was already home, possibly they would be getting home care. And what the focus really would be there is looking at the remaining challenges that they may have, some weakness, Maybe they're at some point we've addressed that maybe they need to wear a certain brace on their leg to help them until they get their strength back to give them that support and safety. Maybe they're started out with a walker and now they're getting their balance back and their endurance back and we can progress them to a cane and then hopefully without any sort of device. So it's that progression of how they do, but really it's in their environment. So seeing how they can get back to those activities and mobility things that they're doing in their home. And then hopefully down the road, they would transition to an outpatient program where they would get physical therapy in like a clinic setting where they would go a couple of times a week. And that's where the fine tuning comes in. And that's a great opportunity for um, anybody to you know, if there's a specific outpatient clinic in your area that really focuses on neurological deficits, um, not all of them do. Um, so it would be good to be able to have that opportunity to research that and find somebody that does. But that's where the fine tuning comes in. So the really high level balance. So really working on getting that um, that final little pieces of the puzzle back together for your mobility. It could be, you know, really uh, addressing returning to a work environment or more, uh, you know, a, 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 like sort of a other um, hobby or activity that you were doing that really is uh, limited since your brain injury and getting you back to that. So um, those are all sort of the progressions of things that we would do um, for some of our patients. And again, there are other, you know, there's technology, there's equipment, there's um, patient-specific goals that we focus on. So there's all different sort of levels within those levels, but I kind of like to think of it, how would we break down somebody's recovery by the level of care that they're, that they're getting their physical therapy. And so, you know, someone who is, uh, you know, not, being admitted into your guys' facility, right? Like somebody who maybe doesn't even actually go to the hospital. Like I, I did not have a hospital stay, right? Um, like we're kind of the ones who fall through the cracks. So what advice do you have for us? Like I actually had to beg for any kind of treatment for my neurologist. Um, you know, what, what advice do you have for us um, if we are struggling with different things um, as to how to get to PT. Wow. That, you know, that we, I don't see that as much of question. it, um, but that is a really, that's a really, uh, must be a very big challenge for people out in the community because not everybody 
speaks you know the language like we do um, for not only you have, having lived through it but me having worked in the in these this environments for so many years um, what I would think um, you know probably would be a, a first step is to if you have the opportunity to gather some information on your own about services that are available to you um, so then you can advocate specifically for those and that's where I would say probably you would need an advocate to help you to do that if you were still suffering with some some brain injury deficits or yourself and you know that that we are oddly enough you know it's when I first started working there wasn't there wasn't you know the internet um, so hard to imagine but um, right. the, the access to information that we do now is usually a great opportunity and I think knowing that there are um, there are outpatient therapy um, programs that focus specifically on neurological deficits. That's always a great start to say, I, I want to, to try physical therapy and I'd like to go to the, you know clinic X, Y, and Z because they treat people like me with the issues that I have. Um, and I think that would be, you could find that you know through a search of outpatient brain injury programs near me um, or outpatient brain injury physical therapy near me or whatever your search may be. And I think that is a, a good um, start to be able to look at that. But I also think that in order to identify what resources may be out there, if you are having to sort of do your own advocacy, I have found that, and again, my knowledge is limited to kind of the New England area, but the brain injury associations in our states are really, um, you know, really great um, repositories of resources and, um, it, and you know, things that you could possibly reach out to you know, having the, the, you know, opportunity to look at, I'm having trouble returning to work. Um, I would like to start driving again and I'm nervous about doing that. Um, two things like I... I'm having a hard time paying for some of my medical supplies. Are there grants out there for me? And I've I've learned so much from the survivors that are on the the, the boards that I sit on in New Hampshire and Maine that have been it's been instrumental um, to be able to see some of the resources that are out there and available to to people through these brain injury associations because it's their specialty. So knowing you know, this is a great mm -hmm. place to get outpatient therapy. This is a good place to do um, vocational retraining. Um, you know, all of those things that you might not even know where to start, they could possibly put you in that direction. Um, so I would, I would definitely say those are sort of, um, you know, two areas that I think would be a good way to help to advocate for yourself if you are sort of thrust out into the world, a lot of times you'll be discharged mm -hmm. from the emergency room saying, you know, follow up with you're your neurologist in, in a week, <laughs> right? You know, and then you're like, but I, I, I don't feel fine. And I, I, I know myself better than anybody. Um, mm -hmm. and that's where I, yes. I feel like that hopefully that either you or someone that you love can advocate for you to be able to know that there are things out there like specific outpatient clinics that focus on concussion or vestibular rehab or dizziness or, you know, any of those things that are possibly overlooked when you're uh, only in the hospital for a day or two and you get back home and say, yeah. hmm, something's not right. Yeah. And I, 
I'm going to take a moment to go on a little bit of a tangent here because I feel this is really important. Um, you know, I mentioned, like, often you're, you're released from the ER or you go see your GP or maybe you don't even go to the doctor. Maybe it wasn't quite bad enough of a hit that you felt you should go to the doctor. Um, or your kid, right? Maybe they take a bad hit playing sports or they take a tumble, fall off their bike. Um, I know too many people who have been sent home, like, oh, yeah, you're cleared a concussion from the emergency part of my French, but that's a bunch of bullshit. Um, the, the symptoms can take days to weeks to show up. It's not always instantaneous. Um, you can rule out a brain bleed with a CT, you know, which is a good thing. Um, but it's these folks who just slip off the radar. They go months, possibly years, without any sort of treatment, doctors keep telling them they're fine. And that's what was happening to me. You're fine. There's nothing we can do for you. You just have to live with this. And that's not true. <laughs> there are so many treatments out there available to us. Some of them maybe not available through insurance, you know, which is a whole other conversation. Um, but they're out there. And so that is why I'm so passionate about this podcast and about getting resources out there because, like, you shouldn't have to suffer for as long as you're suffering to get any sort of help. And if you're continually seeing one type of specialist and not getting anywhere with that treatment, like, perhaps they're seeing PT, but they're still having dizziness, right? Like, perhaps you need to find, like, a different therapist, like a vestibular therapist or maybe a vision therapist. So there are a lot of resources out there. Um, so I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Tricia. Yeah, I I agree. And I, I would absolutely say of the years of being a physical therapist that there have been things that I have thought would help somebody and that actually didn't get them better. And then they might mm -hmm. suggest something else that I might not be familiar with. And I would say, you know, if it's, if it's, you know, proven and it's, you know, supported by some sort of research or best practice, or it's not going to hurt, it just might help. And that's where, you know, it, the advocating for the alternative um, therapies, you know, physical therapy is definitely, um, a great route to be able to go for a lot of deficits after brain injury, but there are other things. There are maybe things that mm -hmm. appeal to somebody more that maybe they would relate to better, that maybe it may be uh, Tai Chi or, you know, things like that. That, of right. course, works on balance, and that absolutely works on, you know, coordination and uh, helping staying mobile and improving your endurance. So why not, right? Why not suggest that to somebody to be able to do something like that? And I know there's, there are some specific therapy programs that focus on Tai Chi to do that, but there are things that you also, um, you know, unfortunately you, you have to do a little bit of a, a self-advocacy. And like you said, unfortunately, sometimes yeah. they're not covered by insurance and that's where, it would be um, hard to for some people if they didn't have the the financial means to be able to do that. But yeah. again, I I would also say that, and this is sort of jumping way down the road, but maybe not way down the road, but maybe jumping off a little bit. That I feel like even um, 
the recovery, not just even the physical recovery, but how you may overlay other things that may impact your physical recovery is important to consider as well. So, you know, PT or OT or speech therapy in, in exclusivity might be great, but if you are sleep deprived and you can't sleep and you're wondering why, why not, you know, I, I'm not sure why I'm, I had, you know, I hit my head. Why can't, why can't I sleep now? Why am I having all these disruptions in that? Or I'm anxious or I have, you know, I'm, I have, you know, hard time focusing or things like that, that are kind of the things that sleep, the, you know, the post brain injury fatigue, it's real. And it's really yeah. something important that you have to talk to your healthcare providers about because no matter what, how good a, phys- a physical therapist you have, if these are underlying issues that are, go untreated, then it's really hard to get to the point that you you are your best self, uh, no matter how good the PT is. And so knowing about sleep hygiene and, you know, the strategies for, you know, after a brain injury for getting a good night's sleep. And if you're not making sure you have a conversation about it, or what am I doing for, you know, relaxation and stress management, because this is a stressful time in everybody's life when they're coping with a an injury that's taken them away from the things they love and the things that they do to make money or work. I mean, it's, it's huge. So thinking, how, what am I doing for that bucket as well, along with physical therapy um, and, you know, really making sure that we're, you know, thinking about those couple of things on top of all of that and advocating if you're having those symptoms, advocating for getting the information you need. But the last, the sort of kind of overlying of that is, you know, accessing support groups. And I think that could be a whole other podcast as well. But I think that's also where you learn it's not in, in my head. Other people feel the same way. And I am going to advocate for talking to the doctor about going back into physical therapy or going back to, um, you know, doing speech therapy or something like that. So I think the support groups, not only for the survivors, but for the caregivers as well, I think they're so important. So I know that's a little, again, off off the topic, but I think all of these things kind of play in together, right? Like they kind of dovetail mm-hmm. for, you know, to help people get the best recovery they can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Trisha, this has been such a great conversation. I really appreciate you being here today. Um, I just would like to wrap up today by asking you, you know, what, what, what are your final words of wisdom for anyone listening? Um, you know, what, what would be your key takeaway from today? So I would say, you know, I would think that one of the things that people need to remember, which we didn't always know this was that recovery can happen over a lifetime. In the old days, we used to think that maybe you got to three months or six months and maybe, you know, oh, it's six months, something just clicked and now you're not going to make any more recovery. That wasn't true. (laughs) So we have many, many, you know, great scientists prove that the brain has neuroplasticity and it has the ability to make progress over a lifetime. So never give up hope and never stop trying. And always remember that you can go back to physical therapy 
as many times as you need to. Start, stop, start, stop. We're we're always happy to see you. We're always, you know, we'll welcome you back. And if there's something that you feel like you could use some some rework or work on, that um, that the brain is adaptable and it makes gains. So definitely, um, you know, keep that in mind. That you know, recovery can be a lifetime. And if you feel like you if I've fallen back a little bit or you need to fine tune, always know that, you know, your physical therapist is there for you. So, um, you know, you can always come back. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Trisha, for being here today. Thank you very much. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Just another big thank you to our sponsor, Integrated Brain Centers. You can find them online at integratedbraincenters.com. And, again, you can find all of our previous episodes on most streaming platforms, such as iTunes or Spotify, or directly at facesoftbi.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And remember to join Amy's TBI Tribe on Facebook. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider supporting it for $5 a month with a Patreon membership at patreon.com slash Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone, and I will see you in the next episode.